0: But we'll turn this evening to John chapter 10, John chapter 10, and we'll read at verse 1. And as you turn up the passage, let me say once again what a privilege it has been for us to be this way and to be able to spend this time, these five weeks, with you in this congregation. We take away cherished and happy memories of our stay among you and we'll be praying earnestly for you. We we came here with uh, some apprehension because of the new strain of the virus and we wondered uh, would would we actually be able to make the journey and then we wondered if when we make the journey will we be able to stay free of the virus. It would have been an awful thing, in my way of thinking, to travel this distance and then having to miss preaching because I was stricken with COVID. But that didn't happen, and we're thankful to the Lord for his preservation and his great goodness to us in that regard. And so we're always grateful to the Lord in whom we live and move and have our being. Now we're going to read John chapter 10 from verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers." This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door of By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out, and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The harling fleeth, because he is an harling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Amen. And we know the Lord will bless to our hearts the reading of his own word. Will. Bow together briefly in prayer as we come to our text. Our loving Father, we do thank Thee that Thy word is the living word. It is the word that reveals the Saviour. And Lord, we pray that we will behold Thee and look upon Thee, whom our sins pierced. We know that Thou wast wounded on the cross for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon thee, and with thy stripes we are healed. Oh, how we thank thee that in the glorious gospel there is a healing balm for the soul sick with sin. And we pray that sin-weary souls, broken hearts, will find peace through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So bless thy word as it goes forth, we pray, and may salvation, full and free, come to other lives. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. John's Gospel chapter 10 and verse 11, where the Lord Jesus said, I am I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The history of Israel has a rural setting. Flocks and herds, we constantly read of them. Shepherds and their flocks were not unusual in Israel, but a familiar, a common sight. Notable characters in the Old Testament Scriptures, many of them were shepherds. We have only to think of Abel. He brought the choice lamb from among his flock to God. Moses, for forty years, he minded his father's sheep in the desert. And there's Jacob and, of course, David. The Lord so frequently referred to sheep. We have in Matthew 18, verses 12 to 14, the parable of the lost sheep. In Matthew chapter 9, in verse 36, the Lord likens the people to sheep having no shepherd. At the Last Supper... Along with the disciples, after they had sung an hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And there the disciples heard the Lord quote from Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 7, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. John chapter 10 is one of the most familiar portions in the New Testament. We have this tremendous, I am saying of Christ, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Here's the gospel, the Son of God laying down his life for us, the lost erring sheep. What a marvel it is that the giver of all life, that he should give his own life to save us from our sins, that we might have life forevermore. How is it with you as you listen to this service? Are you in the sheepfold of the gospel a sinner saved By the grace of God, or are you on the mountains wild and bare, far from the shepherd's care? As we see the good shepherd on the cross, bearing away our sin, may you be drawn, drawn to him, and become one of his sheep. First of all, we see in this text the standing of the shepherd. There is a contrast drawn between three types of shepherd in this 10th chapter of John. There are false shepherds. The Lord refers to them in verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the see him." is a thief and a robber. The scribes and the Pharisees were those whom the Lord had in mind. In chapter 9 and verse 41, they proudly asserted, We see. They were saying, We are not as the man born blind. What a, what a religious Outlook and standing, we have. All the scribes and the Pharisees, they loved to be called rabbi in, in, in the marketplace. They loved to be recognized as a teacher. They desired the uppermost rooms, positions at the face. They occupied them, those chief saints. They were most religious, but it was all an outward show. It was a pretense, a front. They were false shepherds. And today this world is full of religion. Many have religion. These false shepherds were as religious as could be but condemned. The Lord's woe rested on them. It's not religion, men and women, that fits the soul for heaven. It's the regenerating power of the gospel. In Galatians chapter 6 and the verse 15, the Bible says, For in Christ Jesus Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. Religion avails nothing. But the verse says it's a new creature or a new creation. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And before you and I can reach the new Jerusalem that is heaven above, we have to experience a new creation, the new birth, the power of the gospel in salvation. So there are false shepherds here, but they're also fickle shepherds. For in verse 12, the Lord refers to the harling He that is an harling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The harling fleeth because he is an harling and careth not for the sheep. The harling Feeds the flock for money and not out of love. The harling, his main concern is not the well-being of the sheep. It's his wages. He will make no sacrifice, put himself in no danger. As the wolf approaches, he will not stand David-like and fight it off, he will run and leave the flock to be devoured. The false and the fickle shepherds were engrossed in their own recognition and remuneration. But how refreshing it is to come to the faithful shepherd of verse 11. I am the good shepherd The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. There's emphasis here in the original. Literally, it reads, I am the shepherd, the good. The good are excellent one. The fair are the worthy one. The first occurrence of this word good in John's Gospel is, of course, in chapter 2 and the verse 10. John chapter 2 and the verse 10. The Lord said, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. Here the word good signifies choice excellent, preeminently excellent, for the good wine is contrasted with the inferior. Do you see how the Lord uses the title of deity, divinity, in our text? He lays claim to the I am. And if we go back to Exodus chapter 3, Verses 13 and 14, we read about the I Am. Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14 Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers have sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. The title I am, you can see, is the very signature of Jehovah. When the Lord used this title in the presence of the scribes and Pharisees, they recognized the significance of it, and they were ready to stone him for speaking blasphemy. He who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, thought it not forgery to use his signature. In Israel, the land of pastures and shepherds, there were none to compare with the shepherd, the good one. Other shepherds were appointed by the Lord that have in a measure been good. But the Lord is the choice. He is the more excellent one. He is the Father's well-beloved Son. He is the one who is the mighty, the mighty God, and he has been found worthy to stand surety for those for whom he died. The Lord of heaven and earth, he gives to all life and breath and all things, and it's written up of him in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17 that he is a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Oh, what a shepherd the Lord Jesus is. What a standing the Good Shepherd has. And the question is, what think you of Christ? What standing does the the Lord have in your eyes? Is He your all in all? Is He to you the chiefest of ten thousand? Or is He viewed by you as the stone which the builders refused and rejected. Are you a Christ-denying and rejecting soul? The standing of the shepherd. But secondly, let us consider together the sacrifice of the shepherd. For our text tells us plainly the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In the Old Testament, the sheep died for the shepherd to provide food and clothing, but here we read of the good shepherd dying for the sheep. And five times this chapter emphasizes that the Lord gave his life For the sheep. How did he give his life? He gave it voluntarily. The thousands of sheep used in Old Testament sacrifices. Oh, there was nothing voluntary in their deaths. But notice the voluntary nature of our Lord's death. Verse 15, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Verse 18, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. He voluntarily laid it down. J.C. Ryle, the first Protestant bishop of Liverpool, he comments, We must never suppose for a moment that our Lord had no power to prevent his sufferings, and that he was delivered up to his enemies, and crucified because he could not help it. The treachery of Judas, the band of soldiers, the hatred of the scribes and Pharisees, the injustice of Pilate, the coarse hands of the Roman soldiers, the scourge. The nails and the spear could not have harmed a hair of his head unless he had allowed them. End of quote. Oh, the Lord could say to Peter in Matthew 26, Peter thought to stand between the Lord and crucifixion. He took it upon himself to shield the Lord from crucifixion, he took his sword from his scabbard, and he cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And in Matthew twenty-six, and the verse, the verse fifty-three, the Lord said to Peter, "Thinkest thou?" "...that I cannot now pray to my Father, and He shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels." The Lord could have called ten thousand angels to destroy the world and set Himself free. But He died alone, died voluntarily... For you and me. In love for us, he submitted to death of his own free will because his death was the divinely ordained means whereby the atonement was to be made. He died, he gave his life voluntarily, he gave his life vicariously the text says that he the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep that word for it indicates on our behalf jesus christ did not die on the cross as a martyr for the truth nor as a moral example of self sacrifice he died for the ungodly, he died for sinners in the place of sinners. Hebrews nine puts it like this in verse twenty-six. But once, now once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Verse twenty-eight. So Christ was once offered to bear the sin of many. He was the true offering, the more excellent sacrifice for sin. The holiness and the justice of God was satisfied by the sufferings endured as the Lord stood condemned in our place. And we can say, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. How did the Lord give his life? Voluntarily, vicariously, and he gave his life victoriously gloriously, for on the cross he triumphed over sin and death and hell and the grave. He came forth triumphantly. Hebrews 13 and verse 20 speaks of the God of peace, He brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And Christ not only died for our sins, he lives to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. He's the living Savior. He lives to save to the uttermost. The writer, Lou Wallace, he was asked by the agnostic Robert Ingersoll to make a book denying that the Lord was the Son of God. Lou Wallace traveled to Israel. He did much research. He interviewed hundreds of people. And that brought him to the conclusion that Jesus Christ was indeed real, that he was the heaven-sent Savior of this world. And at 50 years of age, Lou Wallace received Christ. He repented and believed the gospel. He wrote the book, ben her, for he wanted everyone to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior that we all need. Peter was anxious that all might know that Jesus Christ is real, that he is this, the Son of God, in John 6 and verse 69, we believe and are sure, said Peter, that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said here in John 10, I am the door, verse 9, by me of any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and fine pasture there are not numerous doors there is but one one door and only one and yet its sides are two i'm on the inside on which side are you oh you must come to christ for pardon For peace with God, only in his blood, that you can be washed from your sins and be justified. Romans 5 and 1 spells it out. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The standing of the shepherd, the sacrifice of the shepherd. But lastly, we think of the subject of the good shepherd. What is his heart set on? The sheep, of course. In the ordinary sense, the shepherd and the sheep, there's a powerful bond between them. And how needy the sheep are. They are wayward. Peter wrote to those Christians. Enduring persecution. Scattered hither and thither. And he says of them in First Peter 2 and verse 25. Ye were as sheep going astray. In their unconverted days, just like sheep, wayward, going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. They had gone astray far from God, but only the blood of the good shepherd brought them nigh. In the words of Chapter Two of Ephesians and Verse Thirteen, "But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Or oh, you can be brought to the place where you are nigh, near to God." One with God through Christ. The sheep are wayward. The sheep are weak. They are sus- susceptible to all kinds of ailments and diseases. They cannot provide for themselves. They are utterly dependent, so dependent on their shepherd. And we are utterly dependent on the great and the good and the chief shepherd. John 1 and verse 14 speaks of him coming into this world. The Word, the, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, and truth. He is the God of all grace, amazing, saving grace. Oh, whoever you are out of Christ, there's saving grace in him for you today. And he exhorts you, Look unto me, and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, For I am God, and there is none else. Sheep are wayward. They are weak. They want a leader. And in Israel, the sheep follow the shepherd. He goes before as their guard, as their guide. Here's the role of the good shepherd. John chapter 10. And the verse 4 draws it to our attention. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They follow him. Oh, do not follow a false shepherd. Christ is the truth. He is the true God. He is the one who is bringing many sons to glory. A highland shepherd in Scotland, he explained the gospel to a young lad from Psalm 23 and verse 1. And the lad used his thumb And his four fingers of his right hand to memorize the verse, The Lord is my shepherd. And that lad, he especially held his fourth finger firmly, My shepherd. The winter was severe. Both the lad and his sheep were caught in a massive snowdrift. And when his lifeless body was dug out, his left hand was holding fast of the shepherd. For our text tells us plainly, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In the Old Testament, the sheep died for the shepherd to provide food and clothing. But here we read of the good shepherd dying for the sheep. And five times this chapter emphasizes that the Lord gave his life for the sheep. How did he give his life. He gave it voluntarily. The thousands of sheep used in Old Testament sacrifices, oh, there was nothing voluntary in their deaths. But notice the voluntary nature of our Lord's death. Verse 15, As the Father knoweth me, Even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Verse 18, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. He voluntarily laid it down. J.C. Ryle, the first Protestant bishop of Liverpool, he comments, we must never suppose for a moment that our Lord had no power to prevent his sufferings and that he was delivered up to his enemies, and crucified because he could not help it. The treachery of Judas, the band of soldiers, the hatred of the scribes and Pharisees, the injustice of Pilate, the coarse hands of the Roman soldiers, the scourge, the nails, and the spear could not have harmed a hair of his head unless he had allowed them, end of quote. Oh, the Lord could say to Peter in Matthew 26, Peter thought to stand between the Lord and crucifixion. He took it upon himself to shield the Lord from crucifixion, he took his sword from his scabbard, and he cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And in Matthew twenty-six, and the verse, the verse fifty-three, the Lord said to Peter, "Thinkest thou?" That I cannot now pray to my Father, and He shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. The Lord could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set Himself free, but He died alone, died voluntarily. For you and me, in love for us, he submitted to death of his own free will because his death was the divinely ordained means whereby the atonement was to be made. He died, he gave his life voluntarily. He gave his life vicariously the text says that he the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep that word for it indicates on our behalf jesus christ did not die on the cross as a martyr for the truth nor as a moral example of self sacrifice he died for the ungodly. He died for sinners in the place of sinners. Hebrews 9 puts it like this in verse 26. But once, now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Verse 28 So Christ was once offered to bear the sin of many. He was the true offering, the more excellent sacrifice for sin. The holiness and the justice of God was satisfied by the sufferings endured as the Lord stood condemned in our place. And we can say, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. How did the Lord give his life? Voluntarily, vicariously, and he gave his life victoriously. Victoriously, for on the cross he triumphed over sin and death and hell and the grave. He came forth triumphantly. Hebrews thirteen and verse twenty speaks of the God of peace. He brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And Christ not only died for our sins, he lives to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. He's the living Savior. He lives to save to the uttermost. The writer, Lew Wallace, he was asked by the agnostic Robert Ingersoll to make a book denying that the Lord was the Son of God. Lew Wallace traveled to Israel. He did much research. He interviewed hundreds of people. And that brought him to the conclusion that Jesus Christ was indeed real. That he was the heaven-sent Savior of this world. And at 50 years of age, Lou Wallace received Christ. He repented and believed the gospel. He wrote the book, Ben her, for he wanted everyone to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior that we all need. Peter was anxious that all might know that Jesus Christ is real, that he is the Son of God, In John 6 and verse 69, we believe and are sure, said Peter, that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said here in John 10, I am the door, verse 9. By me of any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and fine pasture. There are not numerous doors. There is but one. One door, and only one. And yet its sides are two. I'm on the inside. On which side are you? Oh, you must come to Christ for pardon. For peace with God, only in his blood, that you can be washed from your sins and be justified. Romans 5 and 1 spells it out. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The standing of the shepherd, the sacrifice of the shepherd. But lastly, we think of the subject of the good shepherd. What is his heart set on? The sheep, of course. In the ordinary sense, the shepherd and the sheep, there's a powerful bond between them. And how needy the sheep are. They are wayward. Peter wrote to those Christians enduring persecution, scattered hither and thither. And he says of them in First Peter 2 and verse 25, Ye were as sheep going astray. In their unconverted days, just like sheep wayward, going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. They had gone astray far from God, but only the blood of the good shepherd brought them nigh. In the words of chapter 2 of Ephesians and verse 13 but now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ or oh, you can be brought to the place where you are nigh near to God one with God through Christ. The sheep are wayward. The sheep are weak. They are sus- susceptible to all kinds of ailments and diseases. They cannot provide for themselves. They are utterly dependent, so dependent on their shepherd. And we are utterly dependent on the great and the good and the chief shepherd. John one and verse fourteen speaks of him coming into this world the word the, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace And truth, he is the God of all grace, amazing, saving grace. Oh, whoever you are, out of Christ, there's saving grace in him for you today. And he exhorts you, look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. Sheep are wayward. They are weak. They want a leader. And in Israel, the sheep follow the shepherd. He goes before as their guard, as their guide. Here's the role of the good shepherd. John chapter 10. And the verse 4 draws it to our attention. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They follow him. Oh, do not follow a false shepherd. Christ is the truth. He is the true God. He is the one who is bringing many sons to glory. A highland shepherd in Scotland, he explained the gospel to a young lad from Psalm 23 and verse 1. And the lad used his thumb and his forefingers of his right hand to memorize the verse The Lord is my shepherd. And that lad he especially held his fourth finger firmly. My shepherd. The winter was severe. Both the lad and his sheep were caught in a massive snowdrift. And when his lifeless body was dug out, his left hand was holding fast that fourth finger. My shepherd, my Savior. That evidently was his final thought and his firm conviction and hope for eternity. The Lord is mine and I am his. Oh, may that be true of you. The bride representing the Christian in the Song of Solomon chapter 5 and verse 16 could say, This is my beloved. And this is my friend. Oh, do not wait. Do not halt in your sin. Rest on Christ, on his atoning work. John 1 and verse 12, it explains the gospel when it says, As many as received him, To them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Oh, may you repent, may you break off with your sin, and receive by simple faith the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the ends of the earth. A good Shepherd. He has given his life for the sheep, and those that are his, they will never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of his hand. I pray, God, that you will become his, for it's well with all who are his. We'll bow together In prayer, please. Our loving, eternal Father, how we thank Thee that the Lord Jesus came not to judge the world. He did not come to blame. It was to seek and to save. He came. We know from Thy Word that salvation is not of our works, It's not of anything that we can do. We're just like the sheep, so helpless, so weak and dependent. But how we praise thee that thou art the one who can save all who come unto God by thee. And we pray that none who hear the gospel today will harden their hearts, close their ears, and lift up their hands and say away with him, I will not have this man to rule over me. O Lord, give deciding grace. In the valley of decision, we pray that others will decide for Christ. Choose life and not death. And know the Lord, whom to know is eternal life. We ask it in the Savior's worthy name. Amen. Amen.